And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. Here he is, Michael Savage. Right now, we have an expert who may be able to shed some more light on this report. Michael F. Scheuer, he's a 22-year CIA veteran. He served as the chief, listen to this, between 96 to 99, specifically of the Bin Laden issue station. That was the Osama bin Laden tracking unit at the counter-terrorist center. Okay. Mr. Scheuer, where are you? Line 5, welcome to the Savage Nation. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Mr. Savage. All right. So is there any responsibility at the highest level or what? Well, I think, I think what this should do for the American people is, one, to give them a little more confidence in the credibility of their intelligence community, but also to let them realize that the 9-11 Commission... And the, and the Congressional Commission both uh, whitewashed personal responsibility for what happened on 9-11. The, the CIA, yeah, I understand that. I even said that when I read the report on the air back in 9-11. It sounded like a whitewash. But did you open by saying these reports should give us more confidence in the intelligence community? On the working men and women, I think they should, sir. Uh, not below uh, The people below the senior level, you have to realize that nothing in that, not in that report that was published today was uh, information other than that was provided by the working people at CIA. And I, I get it. You, and I can tell no, you... No, no, this is very much like police departments across America where the man, the cop on the street is the hero doing their job, by and large, to the 98th percentile, and the, the police chiefs and uh, above are usually political uh, animals, and, and it's the same here, isn't it? And I, I have to tell you, I wrote memorandums to George Tennant in 96 and 97, uh, alerting him to the problems we were having with other parts of the intelligence community about not having enough people to work the issue, and he simply ignored them. And the 9-11 Commission never, never raised that issue with anyone. Mr. Scheuer, weren't you featured on a few television shows where I think it was yourself where you had field operatives out there who had been laden in the, in the sights of their guns, and it was killed from a higher level up. Is, is that you? Yes, sir. We were, we were never authorized to kill him. We were authorized to capture him or to provide information to the U.S. military that they could use to kill him. And uh, but no, There was a report that they saw a man, a tall man in a white, you know, uh, flowing robes. He was very tall. And he came with a hunting party, which included women and children, to an undisclosed location, I believe, in a valley in Afghanistan. That's the report I'm talking about. Does that ring any bell with you? Yes, sir. That was one of the occasions. But overall, between May of 1998 and May of 1999, President Clinton could have killed or captured him ten different times. Okay, interesting. Why didn't Clinton do so? Well... All American politicians are very afraid of international opinion, Mr. Savage, whether it's Muslim opinion or European opinion. And the time you're speaking about, bin Laden was going to dinner with a prince from the United Arab Emirates. And Clinton's government was afraid if they killed that prince, his dad wouldn't buy the $8 billion worth of F-16s. Ah, and of course, now we have some very famous lobbyists for the United Arab Emirates, uh... Uh, such as Madeleine Albright works for them. George, uh, the wonderful Bob Dole took a job for them trying to sell us the Dubai ports deal. And you don't want to upset business. I understand that. Yes, sir. That's exactly yeah. the problem, sir. All right. So we're compromised. We're, we're an empire overextended. And we're, we're compromised at every turn. 
Now, you, 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 Mr. Scheuer, look, you're, you're the real McCoy. You were there. I'm not. But I have a fairly good analytical uh, ability. You've written some amazing books. One of them was called Imperial Hubris, Why the West is Losing the War on Terror. What is your summary of that book? Why are we losing the war on terror? Well, in the first place, we don't take it seriously, sir. Uh, this is not a, a cops and robbers uh, operation involved against us. We can never defend ourselves by arresting people one man at a time. We have to face the fact that there are tens of thousands of Muslims who are going to attack us, and we haven't faced that yet, sir. Yeah, I agree with you. So, in other words, if we use the B-1 bomber on a on a heavily fortified area where they're training, for example, and the last thing they saw when they came up from a coffee break was the looming image of a B-1 bomber which arrives silently and kills them all, if that happened a few times, would that put a dent into the uh, op opposition? It, it might have to happen a few hundred times, Mr. Savage, but it certainly is going to put a dent in the opposition. A few uh, hundred times? A few hundred times? That's frightening, because it hasn't happened once so far as I know. No, sir, it hasn't. We have sat as a Western society from 1982 forward and have never attacked any of their training camps until we attacked the ones in 2001. There have been training camps operating around this world for terrorists since 1982, and none of our presidents from 1982 forward attacked any of them. Well, that's, of course, because of, again, the business connections with Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, etc., uh, so that leaves us in a vulnerable, posi a vulnerable position, and apparently what? We're going to fall? We're just going to fall because of greed and corruption? Well, I think we're going to get badly damaged again, sir. I think you just saw today uh, the president and, and the Canadian prime minister and the Mexican president said they wanted security, but they didn't want to interfere with business. So mm. we're not going to have any border security, so we're going to get hit again. So it's Goldman Sachs Uberalis, is that what it is? Well, right now, sir, that appears to be the case. I think what's going to happen, though, is the savior of the United States will be Osama bin Laden. He'll kill 20 or 40,000 more of us inside of America, and then Americans will realize what a, what a bankrupt political system they have in both the Republicans and the Democrats. Well, wait a minute. And when we do come to that conclusion, which I've arrived at before, what's there, what, what happens then? All these guys and gals are going to start shuffling around, giving us speeches, singing the Star Spangled Banner off key outside uh, the, Congre the Congressional Hall, and we're going to be in the same place we were before we said throw the bums out. Who's going to take over their job? Well, I, I don't know, sir. I think these people will want their jobs, uh, and they'll use the American military in the way it was meant to be used, uh, with you know, kind of indiscriminate ruthlessness until people leave us alone. Uh, well, I've talked to enough military guys who are chomping at the bit to do the job that they're uh, capable of doing and using the weaponry that we've spent trillions of dollars developing that is not being used, again, to not interfere with with trade, you know, the the, go, the, the Silk Road that runs uh, from China around the globe right now. They don't want to upset a, a brick on the Silk Road. Uh, but the question is, is the military, and here's the real question, Mr. Scheuer, and this is what bothers me. By what I've seen in terms of who's being promoted within the military, I see guys with MBAs, and unto themselves an MBA is not a bad thing, but it worries me when I see academicians in military uniform being appointed by George Bush. Are they still capable of doing the kind of thing that George Patton did? I don't think they are, sir, but I think we're raising a whole generation of younger officers at the major captain, lieutenant colonel level who are going to have two or three years' combat experience and are going to think like Patton thought. 
And I, but I think it, America is going to have to absorb an awful lot more pain before we get to them. Mr. Scheuer, this is a great conversation for me because I feel as though I'm speaking with someone who A, knows what he's talking about and thinks the way I expect someone who actually knows the danger we're in to, to speak to the American people. Although this audience is rather small compared to some, it's an activist audience, as you probably are aware. Um, in these military academies today, has political correctness, to, to use a phrase I hate, seeped into the extent that they're not taught to wait, taught to wait into the enemy until his guts are hanging out and that no poor dumb, uh, you know what, ever, ever won a war by dying for his country. He won a war by making the other poor, you know what, die for his country. Are they still taught that? Well, Mr. Savage, I'm not a military guy, but I have read all of the books on the on the commandant's list for the Marine Corps and for the Army Chief of Staff. And you can't read those books and not believe what you just said. I think the difference is in the type of leadership we've developed in the Pentagon. You know, all of these generals in the Pentagon are singing the, the song that uh, we've tried the military option and it doesn't work and now we have to negotiate. Well, I'll tell you what. If, That's if, surrender. If we, that is surrender as far as I'm concerned. We haven't used the military. We've used boys in hand-to-hand -hand combat, and when they do their job a little too well, they wind up with a court-martial. That's because George Bush is the worst commander-in-chief in the history of this country. Well, he'd have to go some to beat Clinton, but I think he's in the running anyway, sir. Okay. Well, okay, so what do we do now? We, like you, we keep going back to your primary point. We're going to get hurt again. 40,000 of us are going to be dead before something happens. I'm afraid that's the... I, I, sir, I, I worked uh, against bin Laden for most of the 90s and into, into the new century. And every time we were attacked from 1992 forward, I thought that would be the end of the road, that the, that the government and power at the time would unleash the American military. It didn't happen when two were killed. It didn't happen when 20 were killed. It didn't happen when a destroyer was almost sunk. It didn't happen when 3,000 Americans were killed. There must be a number where we begin to defend ourselves. I don't know what that number is, Mr. Savage. My God, are you articulate. You are an articulate gentleman, but that's because you've seen the face of hell, and uh, you're telling us exactly what it looks like when you look into that darkness. You know who these people are, probably more so than I do, although my imagination is quite vivid, and I can pretty much... I, if I sat with you and I role-played with you and I said... Does Bin Laden, Bin Laden and his lieutenants think like this? And you would say yes or no or modify it. We'd get pretty far pretty fast. I can tell you right now that they think very clearly. They're not afraid of us because they see men like George Tenet in a pink tie crying on it and his resignation like a sissy. Doesn't that embolden the enemy? Absolutely, sir. There's no, there's no doubt about it. In their, in their, um, in their culture, manliness and a, a, a willingness to wage war for what you believe in is very strong. It's as strong as it was in America in World War II. And we've lost it. They have it. They don't have a lick of respect for us, sir. Not a lick. They don't think we're strong. They don't think we're patient. And they know we won't kill them. So they really don't have anything to be afraid of right now. I'm, I'm not speechless. I'm silent, which really is rare on, the, on this show, Mr. Scheuer. Because if I were just speaking to a, to a caller or an author, you know, the words would have a certain degree of meaning. But I'm speaking with Michael F. Scheuer. He's a 22-year CIA veteran. But more than just being a CIA bureaucrat, he served as the chief between 96 to 99 of the Bin Laden issue station. That was the Osama Bin Laden tracking unit at the counterterrorist center. This man probably 
cannot tell us things that he knows. But I'm sure he's getting as close as he dares on the show today. And Mr. Scheuer, is there nothing the American people can do to make something proactive happen before 40,000 of us are dead? I would certainly hope so, but there's no choices out there, sir, at the moment. The only realistic voice in all of those presidential candidates is Mr. Paul, who says, you know, this is a much bigger problem. Whatever you ascribe the enemy's motivation to, it's a much bigger problem. It can't be fixed by making them healthier. It can't be fixed by uh, uh, anything except killing large numbers of them until we get their attention. All right. Let, 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 can we talk about that? Do you have another 10 minutes for this program? Yes, sir, if you'd like. Uh, I would more than like it. I'd like to come back, and instead of taking calls that may or may not have meaning right now, Mr. Scheuer, I would like to ask you, if you were given the power to direct the military, just in a, in a scenario, who, where would you hit and with what would you hit them? And what effect might that have on the enemy and his equilibrium? When I return right here on the Savage Nation, it's captivating, I know it, and I'll be back. Savage. Michael Savage, a host like no other. No could ever won war by dying for his country. He won it by making the other poor dumpster die for his country. All this stuff you've heard about America not wanting to fight, wanting to stay out of the war, is a lot of horse dung. Americans traditionally love to fight. All real Americans love the sting of battle. When you were kids, you all admired the champion marble shooter, the fastest runner, big league ball players, the toughest boxer. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. That's why Americans have never lost and will never lose a war. Because of course that, let's pause right there. That was then. This is now. We have lost the war. We've lost quite a few string of them uh, for numerous reasons, not the least of which is the American left-wing media. Right now, we're speaking with the man who ran the Bin Laden anti-terrorism unit, Michael Scheuer. Michael is uh, working on a new book called Marching Toward Hell. It's not yet available. I guarantee you it'll be a big bestseller. Mr. Scheuer, if you were given the authority as the czar of warfare against the enemy, the Islamo-fascist enemy, let's not mince words, they see a new caliphate, they see a new uh, age of Islam, they see us as weak, they see us as incapable of defending ourselves no matter what our weaponry is, <clears throat> what, would your tar- what, where, what would your targets be, what weapons would you use, and what, what results would you expect? Are those fair questions? I think they're, they're absolutely fair questions, and I think they, somebody should ask them to the president or the, or the candidates that are running, Mr. Savage. <laughs> thank, thank you for the compliment. I think we'll get questions such as, where do you get your hair cut and what do you wear for underwear? Yeah. Uh, that's, the state of, that's the state of the garbage that we're having to put up with now with the, with the shills that are up there. But let's say you were given this authority, Mr. Scheuer, targets. What would they be? Well, Afghanistan would have been my first target, sir. I would have closed off the borders and tried to kill as many of them as I could and then go home, not worry about building a democracy or any other garbage like that. But you have to kill them. And we sent less than 30,000 troops to Afghanistan. The country is bigger than Texas. And we give them rules of engagement, our soldiers and Marines, that make them targets, not killers. Oh, my God. If you go to war, you win. If you're not going to win, don't go to war. That's the problem with Iraq. Neither the Republicans nor the Democrats intend to win. 
they intend to do what they've done so far and then uh, find a graceful way to lose. And, of course, keep this going for the secondary reason, which is the military-industrial complex reasons. You and I both know there are more contractors in Iraq than there are troops and that there are fortunes being made every day, such as the $980,000 screws that were uh, being shipped by two corrupt sisters out of Delaware or Maryland. That's just the tip of the iceberg. And you'll notice, Mr. Shoy, that both parties have suddenly dummied up on anti-war rhetoric because there's too much money flowing into their coffers. And the biggest pork barrel uh, recipient was none other than Jack Murtha, great hero in his own mind, who uh, destroyed our Marine Corps by calling them Nazis and everything else and put these men on trial in Haditha. But let's forget him for the minute. He is what he looks like, which is a war profiteer, in my opinion. What weapons would you use today since Afghanistan is... That, that that horse is out of the stable. What would you do now? Well, you know, the problem is, Mr. Savage, they, they have uh, transferred problems that to a point where they can't be ha- handled by the volunteer military anymore. There's just not enough soldiers. They've created- I agree. No, I, look, as an amateur, I agree. And do, you, do you agree with my prediction that uh, right after the next election, no matter who is president, there's liable to be a new draft? Oh, I think so, sir. I think they've, they've created such a disastrous situation for America that they're going to have to get conscription back in. And that's the big danger, because then they'll go fighting everywhere around the world where they're not needed. They won't win the battles we need to win, and they'll pick new battles that we don't need to fight. Hmm. But let's say we have the men, the manpower. What would your targets be today, Mr. Scheuer? Oh, I'd win the two wars we were in. I would close the borders in Afghanistan and then prosecute as bloody a war as I needed to, to to carry the day. But then, sir, I'd leave home. It's not worth the life of one American soldier or Marine to let Mrs. Mohammed vote in the parliament of, of Afghanistan. And I, I feel would... like applauding because I, I really don't give a rat's behind about Iraq or Iraqis. I really don't. And every time I see a U.S. Marine coming home in a body bag, and I know what it does to his parents the broken hearts that last forever unto the third generation. And then I see hero Marines being prosecuted by George Bush because fundamentally he is prosecuting them in the sense that he could end this persecution. I still don't know what to do except raise money for their defense, sir. Uh, what weapons would you use? I would use whatever weapons were necessary, sir. If we had, When we had bin Laden, for example, at Tora Bora, a tactical nuclear weapon would have, used, would have been the end of that fellow and all of his compadres with a minimal amount of collateral damage. Uh, you, you use what you need to do to win. Once you win, you can talk about how you're going to help people. If you're can our Air Force generals still do that job? Are they still capable of thinking that way? I'm, I, don't know that, I don't know the answer to that. They're all singing, as, as we said, the same song, sir. Is, you know, we've tried the military. All right, hold on. This is so good. I've asked Mr. Michael Scheuer to return. He's coming up with a great new book, Marching Toward Hell. CIA many years, knows Bin Laden, knows the enemy. He'll be here for your questions, B. Savage. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. We're not just going to shoot the bastards. We're going to cut out their living guts and use them to grease the treads of our tanks. We're going to murder those lousy Hun bastards by the bushel. The Nazis are the enemy. Wade into them. Spill their blood. Shoot them in the belly. George C. Scott, <clears throat> reading the words uh, or acting out the words of uh, the great General uh, Patton, who today, of course, would shock liberals who would demand his resignation, possibly his uh, imprisonment. And, of course, had the liberals who now reign supreme on the Internet and the media and, in fact, in the government 
been in power in 1939, you would be speaking German or you would be a lampshade. Welcome uh, to the uh, second hour of the Savage Nation. We were speaking before the break with Michael F. Scheuer, uh, frankly, a great American in the truest sense rather than the uh, Blarney sense of wallbanger. Michael F. Scheuer is a 22-year CIA veteran. He serves as the chief between 96 and 99 of the Bin Laden Issue Station, the Osama Bin Laden Tracking Unit at the Counter-Terrorist Center. Now, the reason we're speaking with Mr. Scheuer is because a report came out today which clearly states what we all knew. Anyone with a brain knew that uh, George Tenet was a, uh, let us say, wallpaper, a patsy, a front man, whatever you want to say. In other words, a bureaucrat put in there both by Clinton and Bush to do their bidding. In other words, to not get in the way of uh, the diplomacy necessary to make sure that the silk kept coming down the silk road, so to speak. Mr. Scheuer, at the break, I had asked you if you were the war czar. Uh, Mr. Scheuer is back with us. Welcome back to the Savage Nation, Michael Scheuer. Sir. If you were the war czar, I asked you what the targets would be. You say uh, uh, they would be right now, they'd be Afghanistan and Iraq. You'd close the border and you'd kill them by the bushel. And you'd use, you'd let the military use what any weapons, any weapons that were necessary. The last question was, what would the results be? Not only in terms of killing bushels of them, but the overall results, A, in the mindset of our enemy, and B, in the mindset of the American liberal media. Well, the liberals hopefully would have strokes, and they would all die and not think it's possible, so it would be two victories at one time. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the important thing to remember here, I think, uh, Mr. Savage, is that the military can certainly do more than it's done, but we have to have a set of politicians that, in the, in the first instance, get us out of the, this business of depending on Arab oil. There is no more threatening country on earth today than the, to the United States and its interests than Saudi Arabia. Wow. And as long as we're buying oil from them, we're going to be supporting a police state that alienates its population and controls our economy. It is the most ludicrous position for America to be in. So in other words, on the one hand, they present themselves as our ally in the war on terror, and the average intelligent person thinks, well... They certainly don't want the radical Islamists to take over because they would be killed uh, uh, and their royal holdings would be uh, stolen. But on the other hand, we all know that the way they think is they are probably funding some of the terrorist activities around the world at the same time with their other hand. Isn't that is it? Would that be an accurate analysis? And not only terrorist activities, Mr. Savage, but also they're spreading their brand of Islam, which is more vicious and more anti-Western than bin Laden's through the money they spend on educating Muslims in black Africa, in the Far East, and in Washington, D.C. And how yeah. about in Brooklyn, New York, with the uh, new uh, Muslim school? How about in the instances of insisting upon foot baths in public institutions? That's all Saudi money, isn't it? Oh, it's all, it's all Saudi-driven, sir. The, the Saudis are... You know, Osama bin Laden is not an aberration for Saudi society. He is the poster boy for their educational system. Mr. Scheuer, you know, many Americans are confused, and they think that Osama bin Laden was sort of a Robin Hood, came from a poor family. He came from a billionaire contractor father, did he not? Exactly right, sir. His father owned a company that's kind of the, the equivalent of a Bechtel in the Middle East. All right, so in a way, he sees himself as the king of Arabia, and, he's not, and he was ready to challenge the weak West and take over the world. And isn't that more or less his mindset? I'm, I'm less convinced that he really believes that there is a... A, a caliphate in the future. I also think that we make a mistake. We make that too big of an enemy. Uh, there, uh, 1.4 billion Muslims don't all think alike, sir. Uh, 
And I, and I think the glue, what holds bin Laden's people together, is the hatred uh, for the United States, and especially because we have for so long supported Arab tyrannies in the Middle East, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Algeria, Jordan, Kuwait. And this is all something we can take care of. The further we disengage from them, the more they'll be killing each other, because that's where the scores are to be settled. You mean between the Sunni and the Shia, for example, on a broad scale? Shias, between the people that bin Laden leads and, and the Saudi government, uh, against the Kuwaiti government, against the Egyptian oh, government. Are you, you, wait a minute, let me see if I can follow this, because you're an expert. So you're saying the ancient tribes, the Arabic tribes, are still at war with each other? Very much so, sir. Mm -hmm. Because I, many people don't, you know, many people attack Israel and think that if Israel were to disappear, all of this would end. Uh, there certainly are grievances with regard to land that Israel took that was not theirs. Uh, anyone who says otherwise is a liar. But even if Israel ceded all of that land, you and I both know it wouldn't answer the questions about Nigeria, the Sudan, the Philippines, Chechnya, uh, uh, you name it. Wherever there's a problem on Earth, right now it seems to be a Muslim nation unable to get along with its neighbor, using Israel, of course, as the fall guy. Well, I, I think uh, without question, our, our relationship with the Israelis as it stands right now, sir, cannot stand forever. We have to have a, a more equitable relationship with them. But the, the point you made is exactly correct. We need to have Muslims killing Muslims. We are in the way right now. They want us out of their particular region, especially the Persian or the Arabian Peninsula. And as long as we need oil, sir, we have to support police states and tyrannies that have ruled the Islamic world for the past half century. And that okay, but let, but let us say these police states were overthrown, as you call them, and let us take the scenario of uh, the police state of Jordan being overthrown. You're not arguing that what would follow would be more 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 friendly towards us, are you? I'm not sure we're, we really need people more friendly to us, sir. They just, they don't even have to like us. They just have to be scared enough of us that they don't want to be killed by us and concerned with their own activities uh, in their own region. As I said, I think there's a tremendous amount of score settling to be done in the Muslim world amongst Muslims. And once we focus them on their own problems, uh, they'll be bloodletting there for, for generations. So you're actually of the school that by going there, we've created more unity amongst the enemy than uh, it had existed before. I think so, sir. You know, the Islamic world is, if anything, more diverse and more fractured than, than the Western civilization, uh, whether it's on sectarian lines or linguistic lines or ethnic lines or geographical dispersion. They're, they're the glue that the genius of bin Laden, if you will, has been to find a glue that can join together the people you mentioned, the people in Nigeria, the people in Chechnya, the people in the Philippines. And that happens to be a hatred for the United States. And the Iraq war certainly was a turning point, sir. It was a mm. disastrous decision on our part. Unbelievable. Well, um, you know more about it than I do. Uh, I have some opinions that overlap with yours in, 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 in thinking. When we come back, or right now actually, the name Jamie Gorella keeps coming up. People remember her. Who was she and what does she have to do with the intelligence failures of George Tenet's uh, CIA? Well, Ms. Tenet was, or, or I'm sorry, Ms. Gorella was an assistant to um, the attorney general under Mr. Clinton. And she established the process by which um, they called it the wall. 
a separation between intelligence and law enforcement, which made it very difficult to share information across that wall or through that wall. And it, unfortunately, as bad as that idea was, um, the bureaucrats made it worse on both sides because they used it as an excuse not to share information. The wall could Mr. be penetrated. I'll give you an example. Uh, most of the information that was used to indict Osama bin Laden in November of 1998 was, was CIA information. And it was passed to the law, law enforcement people by CIA and used by the law enforcement people. So if you had people with good will on both sides, it was very difficult, but you could work through the wall. The problem was the people who didn't want to share information on both sides used it as an excuse not to do so, sir. You, you, you remember Congressman Weldon and Abel Danger? He was on this show. He kept talking about Abel Danger. He kept talking about the breakdown between uh, departments of intelligence. He kept talking about people like Jamie Gorelick and others inside the Clinton administration. Last year, a terrible thing happened. The FBI broke into Congressman Weldon's office, arrested him, seized his files, arrested his daughter, seized her files. Do you think that was a witch hunt, or was that an accurate attack? I don't have any idea, sir, but I know that the way the, government's, the government departments behave, they're all afraid of the FBI. Uh, we had so many problems with, for example, FBI officers taking documents out of CIA, endangering the lives of our assets, endangering the lives of our officers, and we would report it to Mr. Tennant and to his people, and they would never do anything about it. It was like they were afraid of the FBI. Did able danger really exist? Was that a reality, do you think? I think there was really a program for data mining, sir. I really don't know what they turned up in, their, in the process, but I know... All right, we're speaking with a man who's been there and done that, as opposed to those who have been nowhere and done nothing. When we come back, I want to ask Mr. Scheuer, why weren't the hijackers put on the FBI watch list earlier? We're talking about the breakdown of intelligence sharing leading to the mishandling of information regarding the 9-11 hijackers. We're talking about the astounding report that has come out today, which you can read on michaelsavage.com, about, fundamentally, in my opinion, George Tenet's responsibility for 9-11. I'll be right back. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Mr. Scheuer uh, is not me. He's not a talk show host, and I'm not an ex-CIA agent. And yet, much of what he's saying, I've come to the same conclusion, meaning we're going to get hurt. Some of us are going to die. That's right, you, your wife, your children, your mother, your grandmother. Some of us are going to be dead because of the schmucks in Washington who refuse to take the action that's necessary today. Never mind what Tennant did. Never mind what Clinton didn't do. Never mind Jamie Gorelick. Never mind all the old names. There's a whole host of new names. They're doing the same thing, which is fundamentally uh, pogo-sticking, looking for their next appointment and their next job. Michael Scheuer, isn't that more or less what you feel? Michael, I'm sorry. We haven't done anything to protect America uh, since 9-11 because we haven't done anything about our borders. Uh, as long as the borders are open, America is a, is a wide-open target. And no matter what a politician says to the contrary, he's simply lying. Well, today, today George Bush met with Calderon of Mexico and the uh, uh, Prime Minister of, of Canada. And fundamentally, they said that, yeah, security is an issue, but not as important as trade. Isn't that fundamentally what's driving all this? 
I think that's right, sir, and I think there's still a kind of a Cold War hangover. They have a hard time thinking that anybody could threaten America that wasn't a nation state. And even after 9-11, I know we had people in the government who thought 9-11 was one-off, that it could never happen again. And I have to think that these, much of these, many of these politicians are more worried about Russia or China than they are about the people who can actually hurt us. Well, now that's a great question, which is the joint military exercises over last weekend between China and Russia. What was that all about? Well, they, they, you know, they're not stupid people either. They see that we are now involved in two wars where we're very happy to have our young people killed, but just to, and, and lose the war at the same time. That lesson is not lost on our nation state enemies. They're going to rub it in our face as much as they can. The Russians selling guns to the Iranians. Uh, going up in the Arctic Circle and dropping a flag up in our in our hemisphere, that certainly it, 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 you know when a great power like the United States willingly loses two wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, people will take notice and it won't be helpful for American interests. Well, China could figure out in fifty years or less they could they could take this country over without firing a shot if we keep going on this arc. Isn't that more or less what you fear? Well, I certainly fear, sir, that that we are running out of time to defend ourselves, and both internally and externally. Uh, I, I'm afraid, uh, most of all, of people not hit, taking this problem seriously. They, oh they yeah, well, the, the left says that the left says guys like you and I are hysterics, and we're just trying to foment war. We're warmongers, and the Muslims really mean us uh, no harm. What last question, Mr. Scheuer? Uh, Iran is Iran as big a threat as some think. I think it's a threat primarily because no one in the world believes that we have the gumption to go to war and win. I think the Iranians are encouraged by the fact that they've seen us lose war after war, not because we got beat, but because we simply don't have the will to win. That empowers the Iranians. But I think the Iranians are within 15 years of running out of fuel, of natural gas and gasoline and oil. They're, they're on their way back to a third world poverty. If America is tough, this is a passing threat. But that's the question. Are we going to have a leader who's tough? Marching Toward Hell is Mr. Scheuer's great new book that will be out in a few months. He um, knows what he's talking about. I suggest that we do everything we can to uh, try to get a copy of that book before Wallbanger or The Golfer. But, um, I mean, this is a very sober uh, day, Mr. Scheuer. You know, there's nothing humorous in any of this. You wrote the book Imperial Hubris, Why the West is Losing the War on Terror. The title alone says it all, just as my book, Liberalism is a Mental Disorder, does. Sometimes a title is all you need to understand what the author is saying. And in those words, all I can suggest is please keep up uh, the attempt to uh, bang the drum for truth in this country because there's so little of it. I know the truth to power is the ultimate... Uh, uh, antidote to what we're living through, which is this annihilation of reality in the American people. Michael F. Scheuer has enlightened us, and I want to thank him very much for being with us. Mr. Scheuer, thank you so much for being with us. It really was not just a pleasure, but let's say a sobering experience. Thank you, sir. It was my pleasure to be with you. If only this government were run by men like Michael Scheuer instead of the others. Let us call them the others. The other directed others like Mr. Tennant in the pink tie crying when he said goodbye. I'll be Savage. Back. Home of borders. Language. Culture. The Savage Nation. We have a bunch of schmucks running everything like a putz like Pat Leahy, Democrat Vermont, attacking the Bush administration over subpoenas of who fired who, when, 
classic schmucks, putzes and schmucks running everything. And the enemy knows it. You think the enemy doesn't listen to uh, the schmucks like Leahy? You think the enemy doesn't listen to the morons like uh, uh, the, the New York Times people, what they publish, how they're so afraid to say the M word or the I word? You think they don't know what's going on? You think they don't have operatives in this country? I would if I were them. So if the figures that they do, you can demonize the enemy all you want, and you could want uh, them to die rather than your son or yourself. I understand that. But don't underestimate the enemy. And number two, don't uh, confuse the enemy with a foolish man. The last thing these proud men want is their daughters to wind up a harlot uh, like so many of your daughters have wound up. Do you want that as an export product in your country? If you were them, would you want that? If you were them, would you want an export product of the worst white trash this society could ever conjure up, held up as role models in in, uh, the Arabian nations? And I'm talking directly to you now. The worst white trash imaginable held up as role models flashing their private parts, puking on themselves, running into cars drunk, partying and leaving their children in locked cars, going in and out of rehab and, and, and such, and then being held up with a girly giggle by uh, Rupert Murdoch on his on his network and the others. Is that what you want for your country if you were them? Is that what you would want? Do you understand what I'm talking about? Do you understand what's going on in this country and how it all fits together, the collapse of our uh, morality? And the collapse of our will to live and our, the collapse of our military, not our military capacity, but our political capacity to use the military. And again, behind it all is this obsession with the bottom line, dollar. So I may say Golden, Goldman Sachs runs the world. You may giggle and say that's funny. It's not funny. I have nothing against Goldman nor Sachs. I don't know them. They're a great investment banking firm. But too many of their partners wind up in government positions dictating policies of this government that are antithetical to the sovereignty of the nation and the health of the nation overall. And at the end of the day, people who see only the bottom line see us as a, as just another trading partner, not as a sovereign nation. Moreover, a rather small trading partner compared with uh, emerging markets, for example, in China and India. Believe me, I know how they think. That's where we're at today. And where it all ends, only I know. So this is the Savage Nation. I decide you listen. I just had a one-hour interview with Michael Scheuer of the CIA. I don't do this that often. Very, very seldom do I get disenchanted with a, with a guest. I think it was a great interview, and I learned a lot. And what I learned, frankly, doesn't scare me because I, I live with it day and night. You know, I walk around in a state of suspended animation. It takes a very strong man to be able to live in the present, to enjoy a meal, to enjoy his family, to enjoy the air, to enjoy his dog, to enjoy the technicolor reality that I'm living in, and understand that right over the horizon is a black and white film noir nightmare uh, that could be avoided if only we had men like him in power instead of the bureaucrats who, unfortunately, like leeches, take over everything all the way up to the top. And then you come down to the election coming up. Can you name one man? Can you name one man who you think will actually do something to uh, save 20 or 40,000 American people? I don't. I don't see one of them doing it. Let's go to the callers. Brad W.O.R. in New York City. Welcome to the Savage Nation. What's on your mind? Hey, Mike, I want to talk about liberalism, and basically, liberalism has become so establishment, and, you know, all these liberals are power to the people, anti-establishment, you know, we're against whitey, da-da-da, but really, their way of thinking is the Absolutely. most way right. of thinking. Absolutely. And they are, they are the establishment they claim to be fighting against. Let's take an example. Dustin Hoffman. He still thinks it's 19, I'm giving you an example, 19, it's 1968, and he's fighting the WASP establishment. You get it? 
when in fact they are now the establishment. All the left-wing dopers of the 60s who took over the country are still pretending that they're in the street with the people when in fact they are the people uh, in, in power. Yeah, they're the people who are, uh, they're, they're the most establishment thing going, and they think that they're, they're the, uh, right. the, the rebel. So they attack a guy like me who's trying to, I am, I am actually the people they portray in their movies. You understand that? You're the rebel. We're the Do you rebel. realize that I'm actually the outsider? I'm actually the anti-establishment outsider that they portray in their, in their fraudulent pseudo-comedies, in their fraudulent poses of being tough guys with the sunglasses and walking around with their arms crossed? Like they're up against the establishment. You ever see these images that they all put out on the news, on cable news, with their arms crossed, particularly the Schmendricks on MSNBC? Their arms are crossed, and they're the tough guy. They're going to stand up to authority. They're basically just mouthpieces for the authorities. You understand that, of course. Of course, and even when I was in school, literally, I had to take some sociology courses. If I didn't portray or think the way that they wanted me to think, it, it was like I, w- I failed the class. Literally, I would literally get a D because I wasn't thinking the right, right. way. Uh, well, that's called groupthink or communism, by the way. Many people don't even understand that we're already halfway into the communist mold. You see, individuals like myself are the most dangerous threat to a socialist, a socialism where groupthink, see, some people call it different names, hey, political correctness, that's groupthink. You all must think the same way as they did once upon a time in the Soviet Union. You all must think and speak the same way as they did once upon a time in communist China. And what they have abandoned, we are now increasingly systematizing in the United States of America. As they abandon socialism, we adopt socialism. As they adopt capitalism, we attack and, and abandon capitalism. We are going to go through some dark ages in this country, Brad, particularly if what is going to happen happens, which is that one of the left-wing vermin uh, win the next election. Mike, with regards to you possibly, I mean, I know you're not really going to run for president more than likely, but if you were to, why couldn't you stay on the radio and, and get this message out? I mean, what no, It's the- illegal. See, it's illegal, and, and it's a good reason it's illegal. Any person who is in the media who declares themselves as a candidate must leave the media because otherwise you have an unfair advantage. You have hours a day to run for office. No one can do that. I mean, that's not right. Guess on Hillary for having her mug in the media uh, 24 hours. Well, that, yeah, but that's a little different. Sure, she owns the media in a different sense, but I, I agree with that rule. I really don't want anyone in the media running for office and, and maintaining their position in the media. So that's a good, a good thing as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, if you go on to michaelsavage.com, over 15 million people have said, Mike, drop radio and run for office. I couldn't win, but what happened if what would happen if all 15 million people voted for me? What if all 15 million people wrote me in? Let's say once I said I'm leaving radio because I want you to uh, uh, send your message to Washington. You know, 15 million votes is not enough to win an election, but it's enough to swing an election. You know that, don't you, Brad? Yeah, and Hillary would probably end up winning because of it, unfortunately. Ah, now you're talking. So I'm the greatest ally to the Democrats. Should I actually do that? You see. That's why I, uh, I'm very careful with what I do on this program, uh, whether you know it or not. Brad, I'm glad you took the summer evening or afternoon to listen to the Savage Nation. What did you take away from the uh, interview with Michael Scheuer? Unbelievable, Mike. Unbelievable. I mean, that it, you know, I live and work in New York City. I work on 42nd Street in Midtown, and it, it, it's scary. It, uh, I'm afraid for my life every day when I go through that tunnel, when I go into that city, and I don't feel safe. And, and to be honest with you, I mean, it, it, it's eye-opening, but I, I'm nervous that we are going to be, we're, we are screwed. Thanks for the call. I mean, I hate to speak so abruptly, 
And so uh, directly, I know it offends most people. They don't want this. Oh, no, they don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear Doc Savage's caustic uh, reality and caustic humor. No, no, no. They want to keep hearing the same old lie. But I can guarantee you every dog has his day and my day hasn't come yet. It will. It's coming. I can guarantee you as I sit here, I could sit out here in Siberia, the Siberia of the media, ignored by even the so-called conservatives in the media who didn't come to my aid. And don't think I don't remember who they are. I'll never forget it. James, line eight, welcome to the Savage Nation. He's not there. Okay, I'm, are you there? okay keep him on the line. Let's send him a cap or a cup. They're very heavy. And when you're very angry, they can be thrown through a window, your own window, hopefully, and nobody hurt. Seattle, Washington, Casey, you're next up. Go ahead, please. Hey, Mike. Uh, you already know that I love you because I've been listening to your show forever. And you know what? i got to tell you, I'm not as educated as your brilliance doctor is. But um, I'm from Yakima, Washington, which is a sanctuary city. I'm a veteran mm. of the U.S. Army, and I'm scared to death for my life in my own city, and I'm furious with my government. I've well, you're, you're more educated. You're more educated than the governor of the state of Washington. Amen. Amen. See, sure. see, we're not talking about book knowledge. Here. We're talking about educated to the realities of what you're living with. Now, these sellouts like your governor, like your mayor, are the enemy of this country as far as I am concerned. By them making your state and your cities sanctuary cities for invaders from uh, Central and South America, they are, in essence, displacing you as an American. Amen. I went to well, amen. Yeah, you're you're amening. You're correct. Now, don't tell that to your liberal friends. How come they love the illegal aliens so much, uh, Casey? Why do they love them? What do they love about them? Well, I, I think it's they love the fact that they may get a vote if they kiss their rear end enough and turn around and get stabbed in the back when they decide they're going to take over the country instead of go liberalism. Seriously, I can't tell you. Well, there's a lot to the liberal that we can't fathom. And the simplest solution to it all conclusion that I've come to is that liberalism is a mental disorder, and thank you for the call. They should be fundamentally given uh, major, major uh, psychotic, antipsychotic drugs and or be put into re-education camps in order to save the country. You think I'm going to sit here waiting to say they, they're going to put me in one? I'll put them in one first, or I'll leave the nation. I'll tell you that right now. We're going to talk about that one of these days, closer to the election of where we can go, uh, should we want to leave the country. Now, I'm not, I'm not telling you I'm going to leave the country, because I don't think I am, I don't think I ever would. I am never going to leave this country, but I can guarantee you, should Hillary Clinton win, there's going to be a lot of talk amongst the right-wingers about, and the conservatives, and the patriots, and the retired police, and the retired military, about leaving the new socialist republic of the United States of America. Because they know they're going to be targeted, moreover, their hearts are going to be broken when they see what these feminist, anti-American witches do, should they, should they seize total power, by the way. KNEW, San Francisco. Paul, you're on the Savage Nation topic, please. Yeah, I just wanted to comment about uh, the generals in the military. I'm a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force, and just from my view, watching these generals, and specifically the three and the four stars, since they're appointed by the civilians, um, mm -hmm. I mean, as a junior officer, I, I'm cynical toward these guys because I know that they're yes-men, and you yes. see it in the... They're exactly like Wesley Clark, who got where he is not through being a great military man, but be through, be, be, being a good political player. Wesley Clark is a naked politician, and he got where he is simply by kissing the behinds of all of the top guys in the government and in the media. Younger guys, I'll tell you right now because I know firsthand... These the army officers, the junior officers, look at that guy and laugh. And um, I mean, it's a shame when you see as you look up the chain. Well, I know a, a guy, a fellow who's highly decorated from Vietnam, who fought with Wesley Clark. He's 
He won't even talk to him anymore. He hates him. He thinks he's the greatest charade that ever hit the planet in a uniform. So, Paul, where, what are we reaching a point where the younger officers need to have a need to perform a military coup to save America? Dare we even suggest it? Say that again. No, I'm not going to say it again. I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be right back. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Los Angeles, California, KLAA. I listen to it uh, from time to time. It's a great signal, by the way. John, welcome to the Savage Nation. Go ahead, please. Yes, Michael. Nice to, to talk to you. I want to tell you that I loved your interview with your guest. I agree with just about everything he says. I love the eloquence with which you tie together the war on terror and the, the trash out of Hollywood that we're subjected to every day. The one thing he whitewashed over, though, was that if we do what he says insofar as going into the Middle East, unleashing the military, and then leaving and having the Muslims and Shia knife it out amongst themselves, the havoc that would wreak in the maybe midterm on the globalized economy with energy prices, etc. Oh, you're right. There are, I agree with you, and I meant to ask him, but wait a minute. You say that we've created enmity in the Muslim world because we're in Afghanistan and Iraq and they want us out of there. And then you say, on the other hand, we should blow them to smithereens in selected areas to teach them a lesson. And then they'll respect us. But I, I was saying the exact opposite could happen. Wouldn't that antagonize them even further and unify them even more? Would, would have been questions I would like to have asked. But, and I don't think it's fair to second guess him because he, he thought a lot more about it than I have. But I would think it's a, a logical sequence. Yes, yes. No, I agree. I mean, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not an anti-capitalist. I don't want anyone to get that impression. In fact, if I had a company that I wanted to take public, I would choose Goldman Sachs. <laughs> They're a great company. But we cannot let a, an investment bank, who are only men after all, uh, dictate what a sovereign nation must do to survive. Because sometimes the interests are not uh, coordinated here. Savage. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.